Hi everybody, welcome to our Greg Tag podcast. I'm Paski. I'm Flokino and Rai. And our special guest today is... It's me, Dragos, yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dragos is a comedian, stand-up comedian from Romania, based here in Berlin, and travels all o- over the world and performs everywhere. Um, yeah, welcome to our podcast. It's good to be here. Like uh, I've always wanted to be here. <laughs> finally, finally made it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's start with uh, you. Host your own podcast as well. Yeah, it's called the Labrador Energy Podcast. You guys, check it out. So, what's the concept behind it? Uh, so the concept was let me give you. So basically, well, I wanted to kind of create like more content that is easy to digest for my uh, my my users, my 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 followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, a lot of comedians in the U.S. have podcasts, and I was like, okay, let's start a podcast. So initially, I wanted to do a podcast about comedy, mm-hmm. and I called it Dear Mr. Dragon. Mm-hmm. His name is Dragosh, not a book confusing for Dragon. Mm-hmm. But then uh, people don't really want to listen about to, to comedy stuff so much, right? And I was kind of getting bored about talking about the same things. It, it kind of became a bit of a weird kind of conversation with comedians about like, oh, it's hard being a comedian. And they were like, yeah, it's hard being a comedian. <laughs> Repeat for five episodes. <laughs> okay. So I was like, I probably need to make it a bit more interesting for me as well. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, uh, I have this joke where I kind of explain that, you know, with the name like Dragos, a lot of people kind of ask me if I like dragon energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't. I have more of a Labrador energy. Mm-hmm. Get easily distracted <laughs> and a bit ADD. Uh, and I figured like, uh, using that concept, I was like, maybe I can interview people with Labrador energy. People that, you know, can't sit still. They, they do stuff. They travel. They fund companies. They found companies. They, I don't know, they, they quit jobs. Do cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's kind of like the, uh, the the logic behind it. That's uh, cool. I think um, the way we get our podcast guests mm-hmm. is really nice because we just approach our best users and mm-hmm. then just um, ask them, why do you want to uh, make a po- podcast with us? Can you tell us about your approach? Because it's really, really smart. and uh, really uh, cool. Yeah, so the way I do mine, so I basically, I don't know if you guys know Airbnb Experiences. Mm-hmm. So Airbnb yeah. Experiences is like this new option in Airbnb where not only can you Airbnb, normally you can book housing. Uh, they also have an option where you can book a unique experience in the city. So I was doing an experience there before because usually during the summer I don't do a lot of shows because it's pretty hot and people don't want to be inside. So I was like, you know, I want to still practice my comedy. So I do a, show, a couple of experiences there. One of them is write jokes with a comedian. Another one is go to a comedy show with a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people were booking those experiences that were traveling to Berlin. And I was like, huh, I wonder if people are going to book, host a podcast in Berlin kind of experience. And I set that experience up, and then basically I, uh, you know, put it at a low price. And I started getting guests. So actually, even today I'm doing a podcast with this guy. Cool. Uh, nice. So I was getting a lot of guests, and then I was getting so many guests that I actually had to increase the price. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, I got through that podcast like the person that designs uh, Pokemon toys for North America. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that she was traveling to Berlin and she was like, huh, oh, I have a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got somebody who works in solar energy in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got another person who uh, is a Canadian girl. Uh, she wanted to like do travel and do makeup at the same time. Mm-hmm. So she ended up working in Bollywood in, uh, Mum- in Mumbai as a makeup artist for Bollywood movies. Oh, that's wow. pretty cool. So all of them are just people that are coming from Berlin and Airbnb and they're looking for stuff to do. All right. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I also got some uh, other more, inter- I also posted it in like the 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 factory Slack. Mm-hmm. The factory is like the scoring space where we work in. And I got one girl that used to work as, um, basically, for this agency that manages your Tinder profile if you're a rich guy. Uh-huh. So she would basically manage the Tinder profiles of rich people. She would swipe left and right. She would swipe left, <laughs> swipe right, 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 and then have the conversation on behalf of the guy. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was asking, like, is it like catfishing? 
Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. shit. Actually, actually, there's a good story to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one more developer who sits in Vienna. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the early days of Tinder, he hacked Tinder, actually, mm. and, and wrote a bot program that actually matches him to as many girls as possible. And then he even wrote a, a chat automated chat service, basically having a conversation with the girl, fully automated. And actually, it got to the point where he met one of the girls. Really? And he was so excited that it actually worked, so he told her. <laughs> and she left after. Oh, <laughs> my God, yeah, because she was like, you just fucking catfish me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I got a lot of interesting people. Today, I have no idea who the guy that's coming in today. It sounds The name sounds Turkish, so. Okay. Uh, probably some Turkish guy traveling through here. But, yeah, it's been a good uh, way of kind of getting people through, through that. And it's also a good way for me to, like, make a bit of extra income doing what I want to do. As actually, today, because I was telling you, as, I, as we were walking to the room here, I was, th- I was th- that uh, most of my weekends I spent making memes mm-hmm. because uh, we found that it lowers the, but so the ads that you run for events, you get more engagement if you have like a funny meme. Oh. So basically today I'm gonna spend a bit more time creating memes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, one of the memes that basically uh, it created was, I mean, it's Berlin oriented meme, but I'll show it to Pasky because I think she's seen it. It's basically, I'll tell you guys later. <laughs> so the meme is uh, you in Berlin. Can I have one kebab with everything? The kebab dude adds LSD. <laughs> <laughs> so that's randomly people started liking getting more engagement. So like it right. brought down the cost of like advertising by almost 50%. That's pretty good. Right. So now I'm like figuring out well, what are the other memes can I, can mm. I write? <laughs> so they're basically just re kind of working some of the old meme formats. Like, you know, the one where uh, the car is turning right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, uh, you know, normal Monday evening at home, Monday evening with suicide jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes ah, that one, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which one? On the highway, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the one, yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking of kind of using those memes to kind of uh, do more advertising. And at the same time, I was actually thinking of setting up a create-your-own-meme experience in the marathon. <laughs> 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 that would work, too. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. like, you know, people like... Again, the whole idea of the experience of Airbnb, you want to make it as unique as possible. Right. right? And you want to add your specific... Uh, flavor to it right. and because I'm a comedian and I work with humor I want to like one of my kind of goals for when I quit my uh, full-time job was like I want everything that I do going forward to have an association with comedy mm-hmm. so I'm like oh, okay maybe I can start making memes and that's also right generating it's like I find I find it's genius because you basically make people pay for the work you are supposed to do mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exa- exa- exactly yeah yeah and then people <laughs> want to be part of the process right yeah, yeah. And at the same time, you meet all these interesting people. Yeah, and I was, I was actually I was thinking, like, because again, you know, the mind around, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can basically start a, a, like a consulting business to consult marketing professionals how to use memes in their advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I mean. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So, so do you advertise for yourself, for your comedy page or for so comedy f- events? So basically, for, uh, what I was doing uh, this weekend, me and Chris, we had like, uh, so Chris is the other guy that we run uh, Laughing Spree with, mm-hmm. uh, which is a comedy show that we do on Mondays. So the, the responses were very low this weekend. Uh, I don't know why, like usually we get more responses, but I think what happens is because you, with the Facebook ads process, you bid for ads, right? You bid for, you bid for the attention of the, of the user. Mm-hmm. So I think this weekend, some big company was really pushing a lot of money into Berlin. I think it was Lime. Because I got a lot, of, a lot of ads on Facebook this weekend. For, you know the Lime, the, the, the scooters? Yeah. There, were, there were basically ads for, um, Find a part-time job and be the guy that charges all these scooters. What a fun uh, way to earn money. Yeah, yeah, and I saw one guy on Facebook comment on the thing who was like, oh, this is basically bottle collecting for hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, cool. yeah, so I think they were pushing a lot of money to get people for that. And then there was, was, it was difficult for us to get views. Right, but then right, right. when we had more engaging content, basically people were like more happy to push on the. Mm-hmm. And some of the other um, 
some of the other memes that I created, but I didn't post out. One of the, you know, remember, you remember that cat that sits at a at a desk and says, uh, "I should buy a boat." Mm -hmm. So I created that one and I sent it to Chris, but we didn't get a chance to use it. But it's like this. <laughs> <laughs> the meme is this cat sits at the desk. And he's like, "Hmm, I should start a podcast." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah, some other ones that we're playing around with is this one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or like, uh, so you guys can't see them, but like, well, I'll send them to, to Flo and you can put it in the show notes, maybe. You can put it in the show. Or like with this one. <laughs> <laughs> and just like small kind of, and I, they, people, even like they're, because at the beginning I thought like, it's not that funny. Mm -hmm. But people like, huh, people are just like assuming ads. Yeah, it's yeah. much better than so ads. So not ads, it's like uh, chuckle and Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, how does a how does a week look for you? I mean, I mean, you basically <laughs> every time I talk to you, are running to a comedy show or coming from one. Yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about Berlin. You can actually do that, uh, and you can run to a lot of comedy shows. There's the shows happening every night, right? So, for example, uh, usually I, now I'm trying to wake up a bit earlier to get more more back out of my day. But because like for the from January to like May, I was traveling all over the place. Like the the, the schedule was super hectic. Because mm -hmm. the thing is, like, you know, we're doing comedy, uh, like, I produce, promote, and perform on my shows, right? Mm -hmm. So then it means that there's a lot of things that you got to figure out. You know, the cost, the, sometimes you make mistakes. Like, for example, some of the biggest mistakes I've made in the past years, like, basically missed flights. Mm -hmm. And if you miss a flight, you, to get a last, oh. you know, it's $300, 300 euro bomb mistake. Right. Mm -hmm. So I made a couple of mistakes, and now, and then, then I was like, okay, I got to wake up in the morning, be a show at like 5 a.m. to get the, you know, the 20 euro flight to Luxembourg or wherever the fuck I'm going, right? So this time around, I've planned the tour a bit more, uh, a bit better in terms of locations, because it's like a bus look, look like three, four hour bus from one city to another. Mm -hmm. So then that's like Flix Plus is like 10 euros, whatever. Mm -hmm. So when I'm actually doing comedy, a lot of times basically I'm in transit, mm -hmm. uh, or sometimes I take one day to see the city and whatever, right? Uh, but when I'm not doing comedy, when I'm not traveling around, basically I wake up in the morning, I come here, and I decided to come to basically get the space of the factory, the working space because it was just getting a bit ridiculous with the cafes. Mm -hmm. right. uh, you know, they were charging too much, they, they throttle your internet, you can only use the internet for like two hours, then yeah, fuck, I gotta pay, I gotta buy another cookie. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, I bought a cookie and a coffee at this, uh, at this cafe, uh, sit there for two hours, and then they go, the internet stops working. And I was like, oh, you need another code. I was like, cool, can I get another code? I was like, no, you need to buy something else. I was like, I just bought a cookie and a coffee. <laughs> should I just should I just bought a coffee, waited two hours, <laughs> yeah. and walked? Right. Like, is that what I should have done? Right. And I was like, I don't know, man. I just work here. <laughs> All right, give me a coffee. <laughs> and then in that moment, I got so pissed off. I went and I signed up for the factory. Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. Because again, like here, I don't know if you guys know the factory, but they give you unlimited milk. Mm -hmm. So that's a not not just milk, but soy milk and yeah, yeah, oat milk. Oat milk it's, it's expensive. Whatever yeah. type of milk you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how these guys make money. Free tea. Yeah. Well, we talked about it. Mm. It's. And then we talked about it, and you had a different opinion. Actually, yeah, I think they make a lot of money with this. From what? From the milk? No, <laughs> possibly not from the milk, no. So that they're hooked, they get people with the milk, and then... Yeah, absolutely, they get it on yeah. But why do you think they make money? Do they corporate sponsorships? Well, or? they corporate sponsorships, they, they make a shitload of money, I think, for them. And, I mean, you have to... I, I pretty much believe that they, they, they bought the building. Mm -hmm. So basically, instead of renting it out as, as a normal office building, they have what, 4,000, 5,000 members, and mm. each of them pays 120 euros. Right. It adds up, then you have the big corporates as well. Right. I think it adds up. That's, I mean, they have two floors for SoundCloud, so they probably pay like 20,000 20, euros a month at least, right? Oh, sure. two, two floors. floors. Two floors is yeah, huge. Yeah, more. 
Yeah, so I think, so basically it's a more different model than we work because we work basically leases the buildings, right? Mm -hmm. right. Rents them out and then we rent them. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly what their model is here, but I guess it works then. Talking of WeWork, uh, you started hosting shows at WeWork. Yeah, so basically we run free shows uh, a month at WeWork at three different locations and basically they're paid shows, they pay us to run the shows there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was kind of like part of, initially I wanted to do that because I was thinking, you know, the, the most difficult part about doing comedy and producing your own show is finding a venue, right? So initially in my mind I was like, oh, if you can tap into the WeWork network, you can just do shows around WeWorks all over the, mm -hmm. all over the, all over the, all over Europe. Uh, so that's kind of started building up the relationship at the beginning. Uh, the problem is like, it's still a bit of a corporate environment, mm -hmm. uh, which is fine because like WeWork wants to differentiate itself by having you know more artistic environments there, and they have to pay and they have like a lot of budget, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I don't think the whole kind of idea of running shows throughout WeWorks around Europe is gonna work, mm -hmm. at least not at this point because it's still, you still need a bit more of a better environment for comedy. Again, one of the biggest challenges that you have as a comedian is like, uh, you're always dependent on the road for making money. Mm -hmm. uh, so then we want, and then you know, being on the road constantly can be quite exhausting. So I'm trying mm -hmm. to figure out ways to kind of make money while I'm stationary in Berlin. So that's why I'm figuring out like corporate shows, maybe do corporate workshops about joke writing, mm -hmm. you know, meme, how to use memes for marketing and all this kind of different kind of stuff. Uh, so, again, that's why I kind of try to do more stuff now together with Chris to see how we can sort that out. But, uh, yeah, slow and steady. I think uh, I need to put a bit more time into that. And then at the same time, we're thinking of using bigger venues and launching format shows because the problem with comedy is a lot of it's scripted comedy and you can't, mm -hmm. the, the churn is not, you can't constantly create new content uh, at a fast pace, right? Of course, yeah. Because you need to test it. So we're thinking of kind of launching different kind of format shows to kind of experiment with those. Mm -hmm. uh, so in terms of format shows, you know, we do the Eastern European Comedy Evening, which we're gonna do on the 1st of September at Space Medusa this time. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah, and then we're thinking of doing uh, some other stuff, like maybe the Roast Battle, Sexy Voices, and we're thinking of starting a new show called, so we're thinking <laughs> of like doing these kind of like crazy storytelling things, like what's the craziest thing that happened to you? Okay. Ah. Like, yeah, like for example, I have a story like uh, for about three years ago, uh, I went to a ping pong show in Thailand. Mm -hmm. On Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. Oh Jesus! Like a proper ping pong show. Proper. Oh my God! Uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so like telling that story and explaining it on stage would be pretty uh, funny. Uh, and I'm sure other people have like I have like, I, I I have a lot of fucked up stories. <laughs> uh, so like telling those on stage for people to kind of join. Right. Uh, and then some other crowd interaction uh, type of shows. We'll see. But yeah, the format shows they tend to do quite well. All right. And just kind of slowly start building that uh, you know that space of right. comedy in Europe. What's your What's your favorite type of uh, shows and, and actually venues because you said <coughs> WeWork doesn't work so well because it's too corporate. Yeah, I think the, the problem is that the, the audience is too spread out. You know, the, the audience needs to be closer to each other uh, for the laughter to propagate. Mm -hmm. So like at WeWork, they, they, they kind of like sit up, sit anywhere they want. Sometimes yeah. people t don't want to be extremely expressive. And the problem with WeWork is the lights are on all the time. So people um, feel a bit more self-conscious about laughing, right? I right. found it so interesting when we were in the uh, Bar Medusa right. because it was rather hot and, and dim and we tried out moaning instead of, yeah. uh, because it was sexy comedy, right. so moaning instead of clapping. Right. I think it's all these factors are so important in stand-up comedy because you you ooh, if somebody starts clapping very enthusiastically, they find everything funnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But even with the morning stuff, it also mm. works because people like get they they stop taking themselves so so seriously, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So they're like, I'm, lower the guard. Like, if everybody's moaning, I guess I'll do it. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. How did you start with comedy? I mean. W w 
what, what got you into I mean, comedy? I was watching comedy, like, for a long time, I think, like everybody. So I was watching a lot of the Dave Chappelle skits on, like, the Chappelle show. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, like, a lot of stuff that I got. There's this one skit where, basically, uh, it's called Black Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, basically, Dave Chappelle is, like, Black Bush, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this press conference, and uh, the, the, the press asks him, like, you know, Mr. President, uh, what do you think about all the uh, people that say you went to Iraq for oil? And he's like, oil? Who said anything about oil? Bitch, you cooking? <laughs> and he runs away. He's like, oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, so I started watching a lot of that comedy. I started watching Russell Peters as well on YouTube. A lot of it was via YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, yeah, and then I was kind of just funny at work. And a lot of people were saying, like, oh, we should, you should do stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And then I never really gave it serious thought. But I went to a couple of shows in, uh, in Tokyo because I was working in Tokyo at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a couple of them. I was like, oh. That's not too bad. Mm-hmm. But then I only started, so that was kind of like me mingling with it, going there. But then I ended up actually doing it when I was in Singapore, because then I had moved away from Tokyo to Singapore, my job. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I was basically out one night on a Tinder date, actually. Mm-hmm. And this guy was kind of cock-locking me. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of <laughs> making some jokes. And the guy was like, hey, man, you want to come do stand-up comedy at this uh, open mic? <laughs> so he left the date? Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> so he's like, you're kind of funny. You want to come do stand-up comedy? I was like, you know what? I am kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Okay. So then I went like whenever it was, and I did the first joke I did on stage was, uh, "Hey guys, usually what happens? I come up here do a couple of masturbation jokes, mostly because they come easy." <laughs> <laughs> there were some chuckles, and I was like, oh, "Okay, that's what." Well, so it was completely improvised. Uh, I know I had planned it before. Okay. okay. Uh, but then, like a lot of, then I watched it like a, I think a couple of months back. I watched it because I filmed it. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> Because like it was very like uh, lowbrow kind of uh, you know usually when you go into the comedy you comedy into the comedy you go into the comedy and you do jokes about penis <laughs> that's what people usually start off with right like stuff that's like low hanging fruits hey mm. <laughs> yes uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so I did some jokes about like yeah I went to uh, went to Thailand and I experienced the free teas of the Thai culture <laughs> you know uh, temples uh, toilets. And trannies, <laughs> which again is I don't know how politically correct it is now. Yeah, it's okay. But people, <laughs> people are like, oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> so okay, what what were you working before? You actually from Romania? Yeah. How did you end up in Tokyo and then Singapore? No, nah, so I'm originally from Romania, and then like Romania joined the European Union in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, then 2008, I, you could apply for uh, basically university grants, for, not loans from the UK government if you're a European citizen, mm-hmm. and you go study there. So I basically applied, and then I got into Manchester University, and I went there and I studied law, because my parents were like, you should probably do something that's useful in life. I was like, law? You know, people always, you know, there's two jobs that are guaranteed. You know, being a priest, because people always die, and then being a lawyer, because people always, you know, <laughs> sue. Yeah, yeah. Sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I went there, I did four years of law school. I, I knew I didn't like it, like, the first three months, but I was like, oh, well, I guess I can't really quit now. <laughs> Yeah, so then I did it, uh, finished four years, but then I didn't really want to do law. I did a couple of internships and everybody was like super sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know everybody was like, uh, all these British kids, I'm going to do a gap year, I'm going to do a gap year, I'm going to do a gap year. I didn't have enough money to do a gap year, mm-hmm. so I did like a gap two months. Mm-hmm. And I traveled a bit around Southeast Asia, I went to Singapore, Malaysia, and then I went to Japan. And in Japan, I kind of ran out of money. Mm-hmm. But then I wanted to come back to London, and one of my friends in London was like, my company is hiring in, you know, in uh, Japan, why don't you have an interview? I was like, fuck, I don't speak Japanese. I was like, you don't need to, they just need, to, you know, it's a sales job, you need to kind of basically just work non-stop. I was like, I can do that. I'm from Romania, we already work non-stop. 
And then basically the job was like headhunting for financial services. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was like before LinkedIn in 2012. I mean, LinkedIn was around, but basically it wasn't big in Japan. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you'd have to get people to change jobs, but a lot of it involved calling them at work while they were working on their desk phone and say, hey man, I heard a lot of good things about you in the market. Do you want to come for coffee and see if there's any opportunities for you there? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Yeah, so basically a lot of that, you know, call club work and then they would be like, I'm at work. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. This is my number. Write it down. What's your number? Just give me the numbers and I'll keep, give you a call after, like, after 11. <laughs> oh, sounds Great. like a spy game. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. exactly. Oh. So I did that for like three years and then I ended up moving to Singapore because Japan was like a bit too... Uh, I mean, the thing is, whatever you do in Japan, you'll always be a foreigner. Wait, right. I'm sorry. You did three years of cold call. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. It's very intense. I was making good money because basically it's a commission-based job. So yeah. the idea is nobody else is doing that much work. So if you do really well, then you can make a really good money. Right. Mm-hmm. So you were always a gaijin, I guess. I mean, yeah. I speak, speak Japanese, I, I speak well. Japanese, but like not. It's like mostly like izakaya Japanese. It's like mostly like colloquial kind of like you know go drinking Japanese. Mm-hmm. So whereas Japan Japanese has like two layers. Like normal Japanese, there's like keigo, which is like business Japanese, and even Japanese people don't speak keigo that well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to. I mean, again, if you learn Jap- if you speak Japanese with the Japanese client, then you lose the power because he has more control of the language. So you are, it would be encouraged to only speak English mm-hmm. because then they would come into your territory. Mm-hmm. Right. So then it would be easier. It'd be easier for you to like kind of you know direct the conversation and, and where you want it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because again, they're not as comfortable in English. A couple of sales tactics. Did, did uh, cold calling come in handy when you started out with comedy? Because uh, I mean, cold calling you face rejection. Yeah, so exactly. Right? Yeah. So then I was like, "Fuck!" I called people in Japan all the time. I don't have any issue with like you know setting up shows and like reaching out to venues. It's just yeah. I know it's like if you, it's like you put in there's basically the amount of time in messages you send out, something will happen. Right. The same with like because uh, even like within uh, within. Uh, headhunting, we have like KPIs, which are key performance indicators. Mm-hmm. So the point was like, if you make 50 calls a day, something will happen. Right. You know, so, so. if you do 50 calls a day for like four months, you know, you'll you'll manage to find one person. <laughs> you know, just a numbers game. I exactly. Guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. It literally that was the the most common phrase. It's a numbers game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ABC, you heard that also. Yeah, yeah. Always be closing. Yeah. Oh, God, all these Breton communism. <laughs> That's uh, <the> <laughs> so in, in Tokyo, you, did you go to a Japanese comedy event or uh, how did you? Uh, no, I just went, there's a, there's, there's a very big expat community in, in Japan. So then in Tokyo, especially. So then a lot of times I'll mostly hang out with expats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then that's kind, of, that's kind of like two worlds, right? Like the Japanese, which is completely Japanese. And then like the expat, which is like basically, it's like the whole story of like white people in Asia, mm-hmm. you know, complete, you end up making, you know, especially in that industry, like uh, the people that we were hanging out with, like I don't, expat bankers or expat consultants or expat you know we were making good money they were making good money so like the lifestyle is like yeah let's go drinking and like yeah you know partying and it's it's very it's a very easy life mm-hmm. uh, I would say I mean, I mean easy in terms of social stuff I mean, once you know once the work becomes like you know automated routine mm-hmm. then it's everything kind of time just flies it just feels like it was Flying. And this is the same as Singapore, mm-hmm. you know, because like, uh, again, like if you're an expat in Japan or even in um, uh, in like Singapore, you end up making a bit more money than locals. Mm-hmm. So your lifestyle is always like, oh, I'm going to Bali, mm-hmm. I'm going to Thailand, oh, I'm going to Vietnam, uh, see you bitches. Mm-hmm. You, know, the, you know, especially as a as a foreigner, you don't have any of the, 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 the family pressures that you have as a local, right? Because mm-hmm. for example, in Japan, you have like responsibilities to your parents. In Singapore, you have responsibilities to your parents. Like a lot of the Singaporean, um, basically people my age would still con- would basically give a part of their salary to their parents mm-hmm. every month. As right. a thank you, I don't know if that's if that sounds familiar. Like if yeah, for sure. 
like if they did that in Korea or like other places. But so then obviously they're a bit more stressed about the future, right? Mm -hmm. so they're a bit more stressed about like you know I gotta buy a house, the house is very expensive, I gotta you know secure financial future. It's always constant stress. And mm -hmm. I was four, and I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna get every match on Tinder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you did you experience that in Asia? Like, I get a lot more matches there. Yeah. That's very because again it's like uh, you're you're it's like the whole element of scarcity, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I don't experience that here, so... I mean, you, 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 you have that joke about how you get fetishized as an <laughs> right. Asian yeah. person, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes, yeah, you get fetishized as a white guy. Uh, and, uh, a lot, actually. I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. In lot. Asia, a lot. Yeah. And, then, and basically, like, even in Romania, for example, if you're black, you're very uh, desirable. <laughs> like, a lot of girls like... Right. Know. So, it's just a similar reverse kind of, uh, kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I was with my sister in, in Tokyo yeah, two years ago, mm -hmm. actually, and we were over New, year, New Year's Eve, and it was mm -hmm. quite nice. And she had Tinder on, and you know, Tinder on sometimes gives you this push notification, yeah. hey, I still live, yeah. Um, yeah, you have some matches. Mm -hmm. So my sister got, after three days in Tokyo, she got a match, uh, like a push notification from Tinder saying, well, you uh, are matched to 10,000 people. Jesus. Why don't you look on Tinder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you moved to Singapore, mm -hmm. and there you started basically comedy, yeah. and then you moved to Berlin? No, I moved to Estonia. To Estonia? Yeah, yeah, so I was working, basically I was working for this company in, in uh, Singapore, and the company got up, got bought out by HP. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like, a, I mean the company was around for like eight years, it was, it was already listed, it was selling like physical hardware for private clouds. Mm -hmm. So like the you know HDDs, hard disks, you know like basically sand disk now like you know the stuff that you have on the USB disk, mm -hmm. that at like terabyte level, mm -hmm. uh, like tens of terabytes. Okay. Uh, so we're selling those, and then the company got by, bought out by HP, so it was a startup when it got bought out. It was like a $1.4 billion deal. Oh, okay. uh, so they were like, you know, the founders made bank. <laughs> but basically, uh, once it got bought out, everything started slowing down, because it got that corporate machine. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, fuck this shit, you know. I was like literally just going there. Nobody knew that we were still there. Nobody cared about what we were doing because like the whole kind of like, you know, integration process takes forever, right? Mm -hmm. So then I quit the job there at the time and I joined another company that was based out of Estonia and Singapore and they were doing financial services, technology, uh, like, like digital wallets for like uh, cryptocurrencies and like other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like an investing platform. And then they were like, oh, we're going to move to Estonia because it's more, it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. uh, to hire developers there. So they were like, right, let's go to Estonia, they were to Estonia, it sounds like an adventure. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I went to Estonia, and then there was also a good salary. So I went to Estonia and basically stayed there for like a year, and then the time, I was working most of the time, uh, and then I also started traveling around uh, Europe doing comedy. Mm -hmm. And then I got to a point where like, no, why the fuck am I, I don't need the money, why do I still do this job? Mm -hmm. And I don't do what I want. So then I was like, okay, I'm gonna focus on comedy. So then I you know, quit, I, get, I had like, give like a four months notice. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I was like, ha I was basically head of partnerships and recruitment, but this little startup. Uh, and then I basically gave my notice and I was like, all right, did a little spreadsheet to the place where you can do comedy in Europe. And I came across Berlin and I saw there was a lot of open mics here. And then I knew that you know, that's the main metric you have to optimize for. Mm -hmm. To get better comedy, you have to get more stage time. Yeah, $10,000, yeah. Yeah, so then the idea was like either London or Berlin. But Berlin, I came here, the prices were super low. I was like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is gonna increase my, run, my runway. Mm -hmm. So then I came here and I started doing stuff. Uh, that was last September. Yeah, so then I did like, uh, I tried out the, uh, the plan was to start touring like this September. Mm -hmm. But because the material started developing much faster, I started doing in January. Mm -hmm. wow. So like, yeah, almost nine months ahead of schedule. Cool. <laughs> uh, so then I started doing that, and then you start doing the shows. First I wanted to do like three, four shows. Mm -hmm. uh, and then again, I was like, I'm going to get audience with ads. 
And then the first show I did in Slovakia, in Bratislava, I like 30 people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, all right, this is, you know, better than nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, almost break, I think I lost like about 90 euros on that show. Okay. And then the second show I did, I did in Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. And I got like 120 people. It was like sold out. Wow. Pretty good. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, okay, there's something here. Yeah. So I started doing more and more, and I ended up doing like 46 cities around Europe. Jesus. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that was, that was very hectic. So you basically uh, organize your home, uh, everything, yeah. everything basically. Yeah. That's amazing because you, I mean, you just turned full time in, in September and then yeah. already in January you're touring. Boom. Wow. Going hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only person I know that actually does that. Oh, wow. Are there, are there some comedians doing this? No, there's not. I mean, more of them starting to do it now because they see the example. Yeah. Uh, but again, it takes a lot. It's a, it's, you have to be really at the crossroads of skills, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have like, I mean, for me, I had also had like a financial uh, safety net. Then I had, you know, this kind of KPI background. I had like, I did a couple of, sh uh, you know, a course on Udemy on ad usage and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's like a, this weird Venn diagram intersection of different skills. Mm -hmm. right? And then, um, yeah, so far so good, uh, but still there's a lot of work to do because there's no upper. So the idea is how do you scale and make more stuff and make more money and you know do more stuff. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure that out at the moment, but uh, yeah, I think there's, there's something happening here. So like, you know, you can do like a media company or like creative agencies trying to figure out which direction to go because there's like a lot of pathways they can take. So mm -hmm. trying to figure, you know, focus is also very important, right? Because you also have to create new material and yeah. stuff. Right. Uh, so now basically the idea is, you know, I did 46 cities in four months, uh -huh. but in September I'm doing 20 cities in one month. <laughs> Holy shit. So let's see how that works out. Are you looking forward to it or? Yeah, it's gonna be super hectic, but I think I planned it a bit better nowadays, so I don't, I won't be losing as much time or, uh, because before I made some mistakes and there's no direct flights, so I have to take 16 hour buses and stuff. Now like, you know, it's ironing out some of those inefficiencies. Right. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen you on stage several times and you're always enthusiastic on stage. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to do it. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you're traveling, in, I mean, you must be tired. Do you still keep the same level of enthusiasm? Yeah, but the thing is, you have to keep in mind, there's nobody at the door, so I'm also checking the tickets. Mm -hmm. Wow, so extra, right. Yeah, so I'm checking the tickets, I get there earlier, I set up the room, I sometimes I move the chairs, uh, I put everything in place. Right. Uh, then I'm at the door checking the tickets and I'm like, all right, somebody walks in, you know, after I've started, then I guess they get the show for free. <laughs> 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 and then, well, there's not a lot of people trying to sneak in the comedy show, so that's fine, you know. <laughs> wow, okay, what, what was the, the biggest show you ever done? Uh, I think I did it, it was the uh, biggest show. I did like, Cologne and Munich were pretty big, they were like 125 people. Wow, wow, yeah. And then, like, yeah, Cologne was pretty good, it was like one of the most profitable as well. It was like 120 people, mm -hmm. it was like in the middle of like, uh, I think it was March or end of February, mm -hmm. and then uh, it was just a lot of people. And a lot of times because they didn't have a lot of English entertainment, and it was pretty good. It was really, it was a really good show. In fact, I wish, wish I would have filmed it, mm -hmm. but it went really well. The reaction was very good from the audience. Cool. And then like even the guy that was at the bar was like, "What the fuck?" Oh. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like again, nobody you don't nobody knows you. They have no idea what to expect, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but then you know it's it's you start building the material a bit more, start kind of chiseling out here and there, mm -hmm. and then it works out, um, I guess. But yeah, and you know that was pretty good. And now I'm trying to figure out how to do bigger shows. So now I've booked a venue in Hamburg for like uh, October. And it's about 150 people. So oh, hopefully nice. that goes well. And then try to look for a venue in Munich for like 200 people. Mm -hmm. And then Luxembourg for 300 people. But then that's again, wow. it's, it becomes a bit more difficult to find these venues as well. Yeah. And you need to put it when you put down more money, and it's a bit more. You have to take a bit more of a risk from financial risk. Yeah. yeah. But so I try to do spaces where I get the, the venue for free now. Like for example in. Uh, in, I'm doing Sweden now, uh, three cities I've never heard of. 
Slim Coping, John Coping, and North Coping. <laughs> and then I was reaching out to different places because I Swedish, a lot of people speak English, right? Mm-hmm. And then basically, this guy owns three bars called New York Legends in all these three cities. It's like, what do we do all three cities? It's like, all right. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and the venues are like, I don't think we're going to get that big of an audience, but the venues have capacity of 150 to 150. That's cool. So that's pretty big, but we'll see how it goes. I, I, I uh, put like 10 euros in ads and sold like five tickets. Nice. For like uh, one of the one of the locations, so that was pretty good. So hopefully there's a bit more traction with that. We'll see. So you sell tickets on these shows, of course. Yeah, yeah, all these yeah. shows are paid shows. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that's what I'm trying to figure out now. Well, what's the right price? Where's the right price? So far, I've been selling like 10, 15 euros mm-hmm. between that. But uh, I don't know where where do you draw the line. Right? So the idea is because if you want to scale up, you have to either get more people in seats mm-hmm. or raise the price. But mm-hmm. if you raise the price, you risk you know less people. Less yeah. people. Yeah. Is is it really like can you stop? Because I feel like um, for that level of entertainment, even just pay, you know. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. So that's that's what I'm kind of exploring. You know, I want to see what the pro- correct price point is. We'll see. Uh, I think yeah maybe I think but the idea is also I'm trying to build up an audience as well so maybe oh, like right. you know, setting up a bit of a lower price point is okay mm-hmm. okay for the exposure and for yeah yeah exactly exactly like it's not necessarily you can crap the price up once you have more right and how um, did you already know in Singapore like oh this is what I want to do long term or when was the point where you I mean I, yeah I want I was thinking of Singapore of doing it long term and I, well, then this opportunity came about and I was like with the work in Estonia I was like let's do this because it's quite a lot of money uh, and I, maybe it's a good point because if I would have done it in Singapore uh, full time then it might have not been as easy mm-hmm. because I guess you know Europe has the advantage of being more better interconnected mm-hmm. with railways you know cheap flights and also trains. Uh, but then if you go to Asia and do comedy in Asia, people have, you know, lower income, it's more difficult to get around. So actually I think the interconnectedness of Europe works a bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, yeah, this is, I, I maybe, I, I, I had stopped doing comedy when I was there for about three months and I was like, fuck, I don't want to be in a position where I'm not doing comedy. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, kind of things came together. Cool. So usually during the week, um, when you're in Berlin and it's not summer, mm-hmm. how often do you perform? I mean, almost every, oh, when I'm in Berlin, it's not summer. Yeah. I think now it's gotten to the point where it's every day. Every day, okay. Yeah, every day. Wow. A lot of time nowadays just goes into like finding venues and sorting out that stuff, mm-hmm. which is, could be quite time consuming. And in stand-up generally, what aspect do you like the most? Because obviously you do everything from producing, promoting, and performing. Right. Uh, and even performing, do you like, like the writing the most or the, the performing itself? Or I mean, the performing is really good, but I, I enjoy the, to be honest, I've kind of, developed a bit of sense for like the promo the, the, the producing side as well mm-hmm. like because it's nice you're testing out different ads you're you know it's a different uh, part of the brain right mm-hmm. you're working with different ads and different messaging you kind of like you'll have a bit of research reading a couple of books on what's how to make stuff contagious mm-hmm. and even with um, the writing uh, process you know you procrastinate a lot till you get to it but once you get to it it's like oh okay this is this is actually good now. it's pretty fun yeah how do you test it you have to test it on, on stage yeah, it doesn't say the only way, yeah. Okay. So, because otherwise you don't know what's going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Did you have, ever have jokes where you thought, oh my god, this is going to kill, and then it just bombs completely? Yeah, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, I, but then I, I get so pissed off with it that I make it work pretty soon. But then again, I wanted to write different things on different topics. I think that's kind of what I'm going to do now, because like, basically I wanted to write a joke about shampoo. Uh, now I'm reading this book called Contagious. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, John Burger. Because yeah. you said contagious already. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's all about like uh, finding triggers for people to remember your jokes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm trying to write like jokes around like uh, day-to-day things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh yeah. So then people remember the so they shampoo. get triggered. Ah. Yeah, like, uh, shampoo, blankets, bed. <laughs> <laughs>
fucking uh, peaches. <laughs> all right. All cool. that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to figure out what other things. Uh, yeah, the, the, I love the head and shoulder. It kills every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then trying to figure out some other stuff to write in that direction. I'm trying to write some stuff about the job changing now because I'm thinking, what does everybody have? Mm-hmm. Job. So I'm trying to, I used to, I was trying to write some material about like, you know, interviewing for jobs or like having a job, boss, you know. Mm-hmm. You know how people are very terrible at interviewing, but mm-hmm. then like, you know, being good at interviewing translates into like being good at Tinder dates as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, tell me a bit more, uh, what do you see yourself in two, three years? <laughs> <laughs> Great way to start. Probably not business. at this job. <laughs> 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 Hopefully at a better job. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully with a harder girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just trying to challenge it as well, trying to make stuff that wouldn't normally be funny into funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, fucking shampoo, mm-hmm. right? Or like peaches or whatever. Right. So I've been doing a lot of, like, a lot of the initial humor was cultural stuff. Like mm-hmm. Romania, differences, cultural barrier. Yeah, in Romania, you know how to say, you know how to ask for a light? If you want to ask somebody for a light for your cigarette, you say, I fuck. <laughs> so then my friend was like, you know, out one night, and this girl comes up to him and she's like, excuse me, I fuck? I was like, what? So I fuck, it's a bit aggressive. It's like, oh, light the cigarette. It's like, well, you're lucky, because as a matter of fact, I happen to fuck too. <laughs> so this kind of stuff, language barrier kind of things, double meaning. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to write more, uh, I'm just experimenting, I guess. Okay. All right. Uh, but, um, you're originally from Romania. Where, yeah. where are you from in Europe? It's called Buzov. Buzov. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're famous for uh, having volcanoes. Oh wow! Is but that true? Yeah, but it's muddy volcanoes. Yeah. Volcanoes that spit out mud. Spit. <laughs> yeah, even our volcanoes are sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even our natural wonders are like <laughs> shitty. <laughs> So how is it? How, how is Romania? I've never been there. Um, uh, I mean, the, the, the Romania that I grew up in is quite different than Romania now, I guess, because mm. like Romania I grew up in was like pre-Eastern, pre-European Union Romania. So mm-hmm. I left exactly after we joined the European Union. Afterwards, I think things changed quite a lot, mostly because a lot of people left. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty chill. I guess a lot of people speak English. They're very modern. Uh, there's still a bit of negativity in the air because generally a lot of Eastern European countries have like an inbuilt, uh, the default, the default kind of mode is just. Mm-hmm. Uh, pessimism. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to work. Mm-hmm. So why why try? Mm-hmm. You know, of course everybody. Of course he gets that job because his dad is in that position. So he's corruption. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of a vibe going on. I think it's less of it now as meritocracy stuff like you know, YouTube and you're getting like YouTube stars coming in and you know other people kind of uh, getting jobs because they're good developers. The more merit based economy is kind of uh, sneaking in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of corruption is kind of getting cleaned up, but I guess there's still like the echoes of that pessimism going on. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was going up, everybody was super pessimistic. Mm-hmm. I was like, why, there's no, why, 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 you know, just do, just get something safe, you know, become priest, everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> safe job. Yeah, or yeah. Go to, yeah, so my mom wanted me to become either a priest or a policeman, because that was like uh, job security, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't become a policeman, but I guess I'm still kind of preaching bullshit to people. (laughs) (laughs) Almost, okay, cool. And your mindset was always, did you, were you always so optimistic or did it come from studying in the UK, getting away? No, I think I was always kind of like more jokey optimistic because I was like, so it's, this guy's sad, this guy's, can we not? (laughs) Yeah, like, what's, okay, what's the, what, guys, can we just kill ourselves already? Like, if this this is it, like, what's the point, right? right? And then people were like, no, let's see what happens. But nothing good is going to happen anyway. All right, some uh, motherfucker. I might try that anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, because uh, when I talk to friends, uh, they always say like, oh, I'd also like to try stand-up, but I'm so, I couldn't do that. I couldn't stand in front of the stage. Or oh, what if it fails? Do you... What, what, if, what if people laugh at me? <laughs> 
Yeah, the people are so afraid of that. Public speaking is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the biggest fears, right? I mean, I guess the secret is nobody really cares. They, yeah, I think people have like they're such a oh, what if they sure. care about? Oh, nobody really cares about if it fell down. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are so afraid. Just do it, man. What's what's the, what the, to lose, right? Yeah, people are a bit uh, afraid of just public humiliation. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't know. I guess like nothing, nothing builds character like a bit of public humiliation. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like every, somebody's gonna kill you at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah, people have this uh, again. This is the cynicism like uh, coming out of the Romanian is like. What, why do you f- what makes you think people care <laughs> that you got out there is that okay that's a good point yeah you have such a high inflated self <laughs> sense of self-worth that you think oh everybody's going to talk about me afterwards uh, ah yeah. no <laughs> no they're gonna talk about the guy that's funny <laughs> if it would be that easy yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. so okay. that, that's the thing a lot of people overestimate their importance I guess uh, have you ever bombed like really badly bombed oh yeah a lot of times really yeah but I always I try to save it somehow, but sometimes it just doesn't. I mean, it's because of the audience. It's, uh, yeah. Some people just don't want to laugh. There's right. some stuff you said just not funny. Oh, it also because you uh, you traveled everywhere to do perform comedy. Do you see the difference in in audience? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, some audiences go for more cleaner humor. Some audiences go for like uh, they don't like when you do controversial material. Some audience, like you said, New York always likes. Them more like suicide stuff <laughs> or like you know like cynical stuff and they have different tastes in comedians wherever you go because I usually ask people when they come to the show who's your favorite comedian you know Eastern Europe is like Carlin or like Louis C.K. Mm. Oh, okay. people in Eastern right. Europe don't think Louis C.K. did anything that bad I was like what he said oh. he masturbated in front of a lady but he said please Louis C.K. gentleman <laughs> you know oh, God. That's problem. Yeah, you don't want to be in the room with a guy masturbating leave <laughs> you know so Dragons, you've performed everywhere. Um, well, not Europe. really everywhere. I've done like uh, Europe and Asia, I guess. I haven't done like Africa or Australia <laughs> or North America, South America. Okay, but that's but yet to come. So it's yeah. on the radar, yeah. Yeah. Well, it could make some noise if you're in financial <laughs> trouble, Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> There are actually two Venezuelan comics here, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, Gutierrez and... Uh, Christoph Schmidt. Uh, yeah, yeah, Schmidt, yeah. Right. So, oh, so Chris, Christoph Schmidt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder, wonder where he says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, in your opinion, actually, do comics get laid a lot, actually? Uh, it? it depends, I guess. I don't know. But it depends on the comic. It's a decent amount, I would say. Was that your, your idea to go into Kazakhstan? No. <laughs> I mean, you have to, it's not like people don't, uh, like for example, sometimes I do get like matches on Tinder and they're like, oh, you must get so many girls because you're a comedian. Mm. Uh, like, what, I don't know what the right answer is here. <laughs> is it if I, yes, if I say no, you're going to be less interested? If I say yes, are you going to be more interested? <laughs> what's the correct gauge, answer? Yeah, yeah, what's the correct answer? It's a trap. It's a trap, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of laughing, mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, I, I was at a show just as an audience member, and this guy next to me, he had a great time. He like, was saying, like, oh my god, I love this so much, mm-hmm. it's so good. But he didn't, <laughs> he didn't make any sound. He was yeah. just smiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> that, that was his biggest smile, laugh ever. Yeah, some people have, I mean, that's the thing is, you really have to get them with a really good joke for them to unwind. Right. So, like, you have to kind of build, like, a very kind of, like, complex setup or, like, a very unexpected, or, like, you have to build the tension and then crack it. Uh, right, right, To, like, right. make them laugh. So I usually do that with my uh, being gay is a disease joke. 
Oh, well. <laughs> very, strong. very strong statement, yeah? Yeah, because all of a sudden, like, you know, say something like that and everybody's paying attention, right? Yeah. And then you kind of, I'm not going to give you the punchline, mm. you just have to come to the show, but then when you give the punchline, they're like, oh, because everybody's like, fuck, did I just come to, like, this homophobic <laughs> <laughs> What did I just pay money to see one hour of, like, homophobic rants? That's what I just paid for? Uh, but then when you, like, break the tension with, like, the punchline, they're like, oh, okay, whew, safe. <laughs> so like it's a, it's a very cool uh, skill to have the building tension. I, I need to spend a bit more time on building more tension on those mm. kind of jokes. Yeah. I think probably one of the hardest places to do comedy must be Russia. I mean, I worked there and I know nobody smiled. Mm. I thought, okay, why don't they smile? This I mean, even the waiters, why don't think it's about, I thought it interesting about the Russians was actually they, they just I had a conversation about this with a Russian guy and he told me, well, we don't, we only smile if it really is funny because otherwise why would we? Mm. Oh. Which is... That's sort of the opposite of America where everybody smiles but they, they don't give a shit about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. kind of refreshing in a way. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. honest. Mm. There's, a, there's a Romanian comedian that has this joke about Radu. He has this joke about how, like, uh, you know, it's apparently being sad all the time is a, is a, is a, is a condition, right? Mm -hmm. it's, but being happy all the time is not. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's true. Yeah, you need to be happy and sad. You know, you guys are walking around here be happy all the time. Like, what the fuck? So, where could people find more uh, and, and see you live to, to hear the... I mean, you, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Dragosh Comedy. Mm -hmm. You find me on Facebook on Dragosh Christian Comedy. Mm -hmm. By the way, I don't do Christian comedy. Mm -hmm. It's just normal comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I do shows like... Every, today I'm doing a show at uh, Laughing Spirit Comedy, uh, The Floating Launch. Tomorrow I'm doing uh, Comedy Therapy. Uh, and then Thursday I'm doing Sexy Voices, Friday I'm doing Donor Kebab, uh, Saturday probably Roast Battle, uh, then what Thursday, Wednesday doing Joke Time probably, mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm going to head out uh, 2nd of September to do shows in Prague and like, then they're, like Czech Republic and other places. Cool. Right. But uh, yeah, just come out, support live comedy, I'm going to be putting out some memes soon, check those out. <laughs> And, and your live pod your podcast? Yeah, yeah my yeah, podcast, so. the Labrador Energy Podcast, check it out. Uh, this week I interviewed the guy from the factory, he was like, this, this guy from Texas, got his first gun at 12, and then uh, traveled South America, and he's working here as a creative artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, alright, that's really interesting. Figure out stuff. What platforms can we find you? Uh, yeah, for the podcast, Spotify. Spotify's been pretty good. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, reach out to me if you want to get a workshop on how to create memes for your mm -hmm. company. <laughs> <laughs> he was just born here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, uh, perfect. Pretty much All right. All yeah. right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for so having much. me. Us here. Yeah. Uh, we're going to publish it in one week. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'll send it. To awesome. You. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. See you guys. Thank uh, you so much. See, catch you on Rectag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye thank bye. you. Bye. And though your hair is gray with care, you have a heart.